Hi there, I'm your host, Lauren Farriker. Welcome to the Wolf Life Show podcast, a podcast created for dog lovers by dog lovers with the mission of making it easier and more commonplace for you to consider adopting a dog. Today, we have an incredible interview with Zach Scow of Marley's Mutts, who's also the head of the Positive Change Program. If you are not familiar with Zach, he has one of the most interesting stories, in my opinion, of dog rescue. He was a previous abuser of both drugs and alcohol, and through rescuing dogs, completely kind of healed himself, came back to life, and has given a ton back to rescue dogs, helped a lot of dogs find homes that otherwise wouldn't have, and through the Positive Change Program, actually works with inmates and has created a comprehensive program where inmates work and train dogs. These dogs come from uh, kind of kill shelters and are in a situation where they're very close to their end. And these dogs are actually paired with inmates. The inmates work for months to actually train the pups. And then the pups receive a uh, basically a good canine citizen program certification. And Zach has kind of done this. Uh, he has an incredible ability to... A, make me cry watching his Instagram. Incredible talent there. Thank you, Zach. As well as uh, seeing, seeing and really investing in things that are forgotten. He is able to see through that in an incredible way. And I do really feel that this is reflected in his work, both with Marley's Mutts as well as the Positive Change Program. He recently went to Washington, D.C. to talk about the Positive Change Program, and he is just an incredible guy. I could have talked to him all day, and I'm so excited to share this interview. He has just made helping rescue dogs as well as inmates just seen that light and uh such an incredible guy he also has uh, such a cute family and helps and and really supports adopting dogs around him as well as providing hospice care for dogs that otherwise wouldn't have been invested in and give giving them a quality of life uh as they come to the end of theirs. He's an incredible guy. Couldn't be more grateful that he took the time to chat with me uh, for the Wolf Life show. Please enjoy this interview. Hey there. Sorry, can you hear me from up here? I can hear you now. And I'll just kind of let you know if it drops off. So I'm... You had your pack of three that you adopted through the Humane Society, and that was Marley, Tug, and Buddy. 
and you. Yeah, well, I got Buddy from um, the, the the two dogs I got, Marley and Tug, I got from the shelter in Mojave. Got it. Kern County Animal Services. I was working with the Humane Society at the time, helping them pull dogs, help start the large dog foster program. Um, and then my first, like, road rescue was going to Rosamond Elementary School and pulling uh, and capturing a Cocker Spaniel who's now mine, um, who wow. ended up at the school. So that was my first kind of, um, you know, street rescue, yeah, so to speak. And, um, you know, it's been kind of, kind of off to the races ever since. It was pretty selfish back in the day. You know, like, I, I got pretty involved in 2007 um, with animal welfare because like I had a 10 year call or high school reunion coming up and I didn't want to look like a scumbag, yeah. you know? So I wanted to like show that I was doing something <laughs> worthwhile. All my friends were successful and, you know, my best friend's a professor and my twin brother had just got his master's degree. And I wanted to like act that, you know, you could mention something about Harvard or, or being a professor, or and then we go over to Zach, and he says, "Well, well, as a matter of fact, I've been working with the Humane Society, and everyone <laughs> slow claps, and, you know." Uh, so it was pretty selfish in the beginning, but yeah. uh, I knew I loved doing it. I knew I loved being around dogs. I, I've always struggled with um, self-perception. I don't really see what other people see. Uh, I'm, I mean, I get that people. You know, like me, and um, or you know, and I get that people have an affinity for me. You know, yeah. I just don't um, always have that same affinity for myself or any anything anywhere near it. And and sometimes that can cause a conflict because I it's not necessarily that I don't see what people see. I mean, I I, I see that there are um, valid that there are validating um, positive you know, redemptive qualities in me for, for sure, you know, yeah. but I feel like I get, it's hard to get built up and, and, um, have your praises sung all over the place. It, it doesn't really make you feel, uh, it has the opposite effect. It doesn't really build you up as much as it kind of has the effect of tearing you down. I don't know why that is. It's kind of this long going fraudulent mentality that I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever, smart enough, strong enough, good looking enough, funny enough. And, um, that, that, idea of not being enough has been with me my whole life yeah. and um i think the dogs really kind of help in terms of being able to show me what's real and what's not you know their their constant affirmation and affection is, is enough to you know turn the most hardened person into somebody who can conceptualize love so yeah i've relied on on them for that for a very very long time um so yeah you know and and my dogs have kind of always uh, always helped regulate me with that. I'll always help make me feel loved, and when I need to check out, when I need to just um, cue in to just love, you know, I hang out with my dogs, or I have some, like, just as I'm talking to you now, it's like Oliver knows he's just rolling around in front of me trying to get on my lap, trying to mess with me. And Like, when they when you're feeling down, they just kind of know sometimes. And um, Yeah. So, yeah, that was my, that was my first, you know, introduction into the animal welfare world and then pretty soon after that i got sick you know i drank myself into liver failure and and, and that was really why i drank was that, that same self-loathing you know yeah. i had a hardwired self-loathing my maniac that uh, has got a inferiority complex 
which means I don't care much for myself, but that's all that I care about. And um, that's true. You know, I really don't think much of myself and I, and I need to, um, my, my, it's my biggest restrictor in life is this constant narrative that I'm not enough and it doesn't serve anybody, least of all me. Um, or, or my dogs really. So that, yeah. that's kind of the, the battle is to always, is, is to be searching for a way to be okay with yourself, you know, and, and as a person who's got a pretty wide wreckage, you know, a swath of, of, uh, damage you know behind me because of you know years of, of abuse yeah. um it was it was difficult to rectify that stuff and come to grips with it and um process it all and you know i've worked the steps many times and i feel a lot more comfortable about myself because of it yeah but there are still things you know i'm a, I'm a very sentient feeling emotion i'm a highly sensitive person I've always been highly sensitive highly empathetic highly um cued into other people's emotions as well as my own yeah you know? and, um, and so just because of the and for that reason i'm just you know <laughs> a bit of a ball of emotion <laughs> which yeah. which i think people people really identify with so like i would say that in watching your instagram lives and when you're talking about the stories of Aaliyah, and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about to just educate people on the realities of backyard breeding and I think that the causal effect and what that means and I, I really do think that that story with Aaliyah I think just really opened my eyes and gave a face to it if that makes any sense so it makes sense when you're talking about you would be a ball of emotion because I also think you're seeing in a weird way, some of the worst in people with rescue. I, I don't know if you agree with that. Yes, you are seeing um, some of the worst, if that's what you want to classify it as. Um, you know, I think we have a tendency in the world and certainly in American culture to want to characterize everything as evil and good. Yeah. They're evil, we're good. They're bad people. We're good people. Those people that are breeding are bad people. All those of us in rescue are good people. And the honest truth is that we're all of us are good and bad. Um, yeah. We all do good and bad. And a lot of what's considered bad is really just ignorant. And I think people who are ignorant should be given a little bit more of a pass than people who are just downright flippantly um, disrespectful and exploitative. Yeah. Um, because I really do think there's a lot of people just don't know. Um, it's just not it, it, we all know because we work in the rescue community it's yeah. something that's of paramount importance it's like in our declaration of independence you know but for people who are just out there they don't necessarily you know and who live in different social circles they don't necessarily know that that this type of breeding is bad or that that is bad they don't they don't understand so i think a big part of what i what i was really happy about that video for was that it seemed to really educate a lot of people to you know, people who hadn't thought about it and hadn't gone, oh, shit. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. And, you know, Leah is a perfect example. You know, you, you, I have a really hard time with it because I see how much joy these animals bring me. I see how much love they have to give. I see how they're, I mean, they're like children. Yeah. You know, they're like watching, you know, it's like rescuing a dog from a shelter is like pulling a kid from a concentration camp. You know, yeah. you, you see this 
little piece of hope with with this full potential and this ability to help so many people around it. I mean, dogs are medicine. They're therapy. They're therapists. They're they 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 affirm so many. They they just have so many tools and so many uses. And to see them, you know, dying at shelters is a is a complete and utter travesty. Um, and you just gotta feel for them because they're so they're so childlike, you yeah. know, and they're so um, they they can't advocate for themselves. They need us to to do it for them, and um, so it's it's pretty easy to get motivated about wanting to help them for sure. Um, yeah, like when it came to Aaliyah, that was a t- typical dog. You know, Aaliyah was only six years old, but she'd been bred since the minute she was old enough to do so, and she yeah. probably had ten litters. And 10 litters will do a lot to a, a dog, and especially when you're having that many puppies, you know, pit bull puppies chomping on your nipples. And <laughs> she developed skin cancer from those, you know, lesions not healing yeah. from those little, you know, those um, suckle kind of injuries. Yeah. And that skin cancer turned into mammary cancer, and that mammary cancer turned into leukemia, um, and then it, her spleen and her liver. And, and all of those things could have been avoided if she just weren't bred. Um, if she just were enjoyed as a family dog and, and if people just didn't want to make a few extra dollars off her yeah, while also contributing to the horrific issue of animal welfare and shelter overpopulation. I mean, people, it would be one thing if you were just breeding to, you know, make a few dollars for, you know, get some new clothes for your kid for school or something like that. And that may be the case, but when the downside is also that an entire group of people have to now care for these animals, um, bring them in off the streets, medicate them, treat them medically, uh, and then eventually put them to death. Um, that's a big deal. You know, you're putting your actions are affecting a whole lot of people. And on top of that, you're, you know, karmically just putting out bad medicine into the world, you know, some really bad medicine and, yeah. and energy that can't be, um, that once it's exterminated like that, you know, we have to pay the consequences for, for eliminating a life in that in that frequency, you know, when you take an animal's life when they're panicked and stressed and um, and, and their their spirit is disturbed, you yeah. know, I, I I can't imagine that they're gonna you know re- cycle back and re-enter this re-enter this world as an elevated being. You know, they might be, you know, that spirit might be, um, you know, depressed. <laughs> yeah, no, no, completely because uh, it's. I think that what what is so powerful, and I'll, I'll share a little bit about my experience and kind of probably part of why I'm coming to this, and I wasn't educated. I'd never had a dog before my dog, Pixie, and you just think because people tell you, go to Craigslist and get a puppy, and I showed up at what was a puppy mill, and it was the most horrific kind of horrible experience of my life that it made me think that I wasn't ready for a dog without realizing that it was a puppy mill and having to call the authorities and all of that. But I, I think to your point, people don't understand that they're not seeking to do bad, but they also don't understand that if they're supporting things like that, it leads to cases like Aaliyah. And I, I think with Aaliyah, you saw it kind of full circle in terms of, connecting with that animal and everything, which I think was so powerful about it. Yeah. Yeah, man. There, there's just, um, these dogs are so special. And I mean, you talk to Ellen or you talk to Nikki or, uh, any, anybody from any of the incredible rescues we work with, like from the Bell Foundation, reverse rescue or road dogs or 
Sadie or, you know, they all go through the same thing, which is that these animals are so special. It's not, um, they, they, it's like every, every time we, we get involved with a dog like that, they, they just, um, they change you, you know, and yeah. they, they affect you in such a profound way. It's hard not to, um, want to get real fired up in advocacy and really want to defend their honor and, um, and be there for them in every way and, and really change people's minds. Uh, the method of, of changing minds is tough. You know, I, I think we kind of have to go away from shaming people yeah. to um, to education. You know, there's this uh, creating this divide. At least of how our current political system works, it's just not it's not effective. Yeah, and it it serves to drive us further apart and polarize us in a big way. And um, we're at this critical junction where we're making a lot of progress in animal welfare. And if we if we start to malign and alienate, it's not gonna. I mean, it it, it obviously has a uh, an initial profound effect to kind of um, look down on and, and really like uh, tear apart certain cultural um, paradigms and, and like make them un- unacceptable. Yeah. I think there has to be a certain amount of like upheaval and, and that's happening, you know, where, where just old ideals ideas are being, you know, ripped up and burnt and, and that's okay to a degree, but we just have to be really careful about making people, you know, going out of our way to kind of, tear people apart and tear them down and they're just people who need to be educated completely for the most part yeah for the most part (laughs) yeah i would i would definitely say that my audience is 